Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Turn this bad boy on. We'll be making some noise up in here. Hey, y'all excited today? Yeah, we're going to be celebrating these fathers here in a little bit, but y'all don't get too angsty. All the fishing rods and the bait and tackles is in the back. I'm just kidding. And I'm glad that we do have fathers. But we couldn't have fathers without mothers. <laughs> Amen. So, um, love the mamas. So, um, hey, before we get started, we're just going to... And we're going to start off in prayer today because I believe that God wants to do something very, very special today in my heart. Maybe he hadn't said that to y'all's heart, but he's, he's ministering to me in the music and just the watching of the, hearing the voices. Man, you people can bring it. There's some singing going on. Y'all drowned out my old off-tune voice. It was pretty cool. But um, let's pray to the Lord together. No side comments. Man holding the mic, talking to God. You don't want to make him mad. <laughs> Just, I'm teasing. So let's pray. Father, we come to you now. Hallelujah. We do love each other, Lord. And we know, Father, that you love us. And it is nice knowing that we have a daddy in heaven. That no matter how many times we fall, no matter how many times we mess it up, that you're a patient father, you're a, you're a loving father, you're an encouraging father, Lord. And you're a father who rescues and who delivers and who transforms and who brings and, and everything that's going to happen. God, you've made all things new through your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just give you honor and praise that the father above all fathers the beginning and the end that made the heavens and the earth, things that we can't even fathom with our minds. Lord, that's our daddy. And how great you are, how great you are, how wonderful you are, how much we love you. Father God, Lord, speak to us today through your Holy Spirit. Let your Holy Spirit loose in this place, Lord God, that it would transform our hearts to be that of your heart. That we just want to model you, Jesus. That you've taught us how to walk and how to follow. And that, that we abide in you and you abide in the Father. And everything is made right as we just follow you. So God, we want to say we love you and we thank you. And it's in your precious son's name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 So uh, title this a Father's Day standalone because next week we're going to be starting um, a, a series out of the book of Ephesians. So um, it'll be exciting to go through that. But today we're just talking about um, not a father in the sense of anybody out here that might be a father. And, um, and, and again, let me say that when we're talking about fathers today, if you've not biologically got a child on this earth, but you're still an adult male that loves the Lord, there are kids out there that want a father. Amen. Amen. So, so hey, a father is someone who is in the, in the, in the Christian's eyes. A father is someone who is teaching young ones to follow God's ways and pointing them to the Heavenly Father. Amen. So I just want to applaud you to do, just to continue to do that. And if you're not doing that, do not sit on the, the sidelines because you don't hear those voices in your household. There's a thousand voices in this city that needs a father. Okay? So, but we're talking about <clears throat> today the Father's love. 
a father's love, a, fa- a heavenly father's love. And if you have your Bibles and, and you want to open up with me, we're going to be working out of 1 John chapter 3, 1 through 10. 1 John chapter 3, 1 through 10. And do y'all mind if I kind of just jump into it a little bit and just, we just kind of go after it and, and then we'll work through it? you mind if we do that? So what we're going to do is I want to read this first, and I have a bunch of notes pulled up here. But let me just pull this up so I can read it without my, my notes in the middle. And um, yes, I love you, but I won't talk to you right now about that. It's my Bible app was asking if I loved it. So <laughs> you guys got to get used to us being at the church here, baby. First John 3, 1 through 10, it says um, right here, it says, See... How very much our Father loves us. Couldn't we stop right there? For He calls us His children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know Him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when, we, when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understands who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. So those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because of God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. So let me go ahead and just take all these thoughts out of your head. Did you hear and reading that? Like, well, I might as well get up and just go and live a real rough life because I've screwed it up this week. I'm going to teach this because you have to study it because if you, if you don't, I'm not giving you license to sin, but I'm also letting you understand that there's grace in this world. So let's talk through this. Let's understand the scriptures, the context of them, and let's walk through them together. And I will say a few, few notes here that came out of David Guzik's commentary. So just to go ahead and give him credit, there's a couple things I just said, I can't say it any better, God. I said, That's just what you want me to say. So, and, and I might say, tell you when I say that, but there's a couple of, of cliff notes that I just wrote down from him and a few other commentaries that I have were studying. So 1 John 3, 1 through 10, but in verse 1 it says, See how much, how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. So, who calls us children of God? So I want to explain to you who calls us children of God. Number one, we know that the Father... The Father in heaven calls us children. It says, it's, and I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That's in 2 Corinthians 6.18. Secondly, the Son does. The, the, the Jesus does. Jesus calls us the children of God. 
says he is not ashamed to call them brethren in Hebrews 2.11. And third, the Holy Spirit does. So you got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says the Spirit himself bears witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God. Romans 8.16. So you need to understand that today, if, that you, if you are a Christian, if you have confessed that Jesus is your Lord and you have convictions in your life, that you are a child of God. So go ahead and set yourself up to know that sin cannot pull you out of the Father's hands. It says the world will not recognize you as a child of God. To be honest, there will be many that will detest you because you are different and they just can't put their finger on what that is. Understand this, that we as the church have got to stop making apologies to the world for being followers of Jesus Christ. There is sin in this world and if we're not careful, we're going to dumb the church down and water it down to the point where anybody that wants to live a life any way they want to live it will be able to say, well, hallelujah, my grace is sufficient. And, and Paul does not teach that. He says grace without works is not going to go, but grace is without the works. So you can't have the faith, but you got to understand that if the Spirit of God lives inside of you, it is going to transform you from the inside out and you're not going to be of this world. And actually the words says that the world will hate you. I'm not going to get on that, but I'm just saying we as a church have to stand strong to the scriptures that God teaches us, but we do it in love. We do it in patience. We do it in kindness and do it in gentleness, but we do not waver our convictions because if we do, we no longer will be a true vessel to the Father. The world will not recognize you as a child of God. That's a strong statement. Verse 2, it says, Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. 1 John 3, 2 says, Now we are children of God. Our present standing is plain. We can know and have an assurance that we are indeed among the children of God. Romans 8.16 tells us the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If you are a child of God, you have an inward assurance of this. But let me tell you this. There is an enemy in this world that wants to try to convince you that you are not a child of God. He will whisper to you. He will try to confuse you. He will try to shame you. He will try to do everything he can to convince you that you are not a child of God. But here's the good news. Because even when you don't feel like you are, you still are. Because our Father in heaven has already made a way that you are in his family. And when you fall short, you are not kicked out of God's family. Think of adoption. When we adopt a child into a family, that child doesn't get bad enough that we're just going to say, I no longer want anything to do. Even if we have to put separation between them and us, we still, our heart is burdening for them. We're praying for them. We love them. But they know when God adopts us, it don't mean that we get to sin and just all of a sudden we're not his children. I want you to hear that. That we have to first know and believe in our heart that we are His. 
we have to first know and believe in our heart that we are his before it starts showing on the outside. If, if you're walking around every day questioning and questioning your, who you are, questioning who your father is, and, and, you're, and you're playing these mind games, and you haven't embraced the love and the grace that God has given you through Jesus Christ, and when you come to that understanding that he has saved you from your wretchedness, and not by your works, but by your faith, then you come to an understanding that you can be a light to a broken world, and his light will shine through you and not your light. And that is good things. And then we can be able to live a life that looks like we're his. Does that mean that we're going to do everything perfect? Absolutely not. I'm going to teach you that in a few minutes. You're going to fall. The question is, are you willing to get back up? You're going to fall. But I want to ask you, church, are you willing to get back up and repent and put your eyes on the Father and continue to walk this journey and continue to confess your sins and continue to have a brother and sister on each side of you saying, hallelujah, I'm going to the throne. And I know that my Father has made a way that I can boldly approach the throne of grace because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. That's good news, isn't it? I'm excited today. I'm like a tent preacher. Verse 3, and it says, All who have this eager expectation, and I put in parentheses right there, this hope or hopeful expectation, but this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. What does it mean to be eagerly expecting something? Right? For me, it was like back in the day when you had to send off for your tax check and you was hoping that bad boy would come back. And you know, Joe, Joe's laughing. It's like, man, I spent three weeks. I know that check. <laughs> boy, but the day that you opened up and you seen that South Carolina stuff, whoo, we're going to the beach. I'm just te- That's bad, bad teaching right there. That's, that's the old Paul. But I, eagerly expectation. Of knowing that Jesus died for you, took your sin, defeated it, and rose again and ascended to the right hand of the Father. And the expectation that Jesus is coming back again. He is coming to get you. And he's going to take you away from everything that you're struggling with. So it's not our hope in heaven, the things we will have, the sicknesses we will be freed from. See, that's what the world wants us to put our hope in. Oh, I'm just going to be cured. I'm just going to be this. Or I'm not going to be able to struggle. I'm not going to be struggling with this anymore. See, our minds start hoping for the things of the flesh and of the world. And we're wanting to combat the world when he says, why are you fighting the world? My son Jesus has already defeated the world. Stand in understanding that Jesus has taken care of all of this. When he's on the cross, he said, it is finished. It is finished. You don't have to fight the sin that you're struggling with anymore. You wage war against it, but you're not the one fighting it. It is the spirit inside of you that it is fighting it. Scripture says that I will pray and have words to the Father when you don't even have words to pray. I will speak on your behalf. Our hope is in one thing, and that is that we be like Jesus Christ. And that is to love the Father and to love one another.
If we can just work off of those two principles, the great commandment. Love the Father and love your neighbor. Love the Father, love your neighbor. Stop having talks on whether somebody's sexual identity is in this or that or this. And you tell them the truth on what the scripture says. But I'm going to tell you, you're my neighbor. I'm going to love you. Because, not because I agree with you, but because God says i got to love you. I cannot not love you because of what God has done for me. But I love you too much not to tell you the truth. I love you too much to sit there and let you go down a trail of falsehoods. Because the, the enemy of this world is a confuser. And he, and, he, and he will make you think that you are in right standing with the Father when you are at the gates of hell. Uh-oh, he's preaching about hell now. It ain't been taught about a lot, but it's still real. And we've got to make sure that we as Christians... With love or holding our arms open and said, there's a God that loves you. And when his love gets inside of you, he's going to change you. You will no longer look like this world. And in all actuality, this world will detest you for what you start looking like. Not because you've done anything different. You can't do it. You can't do it. But the Spirit of God inside of you can make you walk around glowing. Even when you're stumbling all over yourself. There's something different about that man. Something different about that woman. Ooh, that's good stuff. And so as we have such great expectation, it draws us out of the world and its sin. As we have such great expectations, it draws us out of the world and out of sin. It's not our works, it's our expectation. It's not what we do, it's our knowing who has already done it for us. It's not our work, but it's our expectation knowing who is coming back for us. You get it? That's good stuff. Unfortunately, low expectations of God in, is and what he has done for us will allow us to flounder in our walk with Jesus Christ. Yeah, praise to God. We prayed every meal. We had the Bible, man, and we talked about God in our spare time. And Oh, man, and the, and the, and the pain or the things hurt, and we started praying to him. But was he, you Lord, like it says in Jeremiah 29, I ain't going to quote the one everybody knows, but I'm going to quote the verses before and after. When you search for me with all of your heart, you will find me. Oh, hallelujah. That we have the Spirit of God that is prompting us and encouraging us as a church. That we're searching for him with all of our hearts. And whatever we do, I love it. That's because I believe this body here has a very high expectation of who their father in heaven is. He is a loving God. He is a God who come to restore. He is a God who came to rescue. He is a God who is going to show you the purpose and the meaning of your life. He's here to restore marriages. He's here to overcome addictions. He's here to overcome everything that this world can throw at you. He says, it is finished. In verse 4 and 5, it says, Everyone who, is, who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. I want you to hear three points that Guzik puts out in his commentary, because if you just read those verses, you're like, oh boy, I messed up. But, but Jesus takes away our sin as we receive him as our Savior and no longer under the penalty of sin. So at the cross, when you ask Christ into your heart, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. That is no longer, sin can no longer 
touch you. No matter if you're in it or not, you have been washed in the blood of Christ. You've been justified by the blood of Christ. You're going to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So it says that Jesus takes away our sins as we receive him as our Savior. Then it says Jesus takes away our sins as we walk with him. And sin no longer has power over us. That's more like the symbol of baptism. When someone is to be baptized, they said that the old man is dead, the new man is risen again in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That means that now there's an inward change that you're going to see outwardly because of what has happened to my heart. And that's a journey. That's a walk. That You may not pray a prayer and the next day you know is that you're still following and floundering. It just means that you got to get on the walk with Jesus. And on the walk with Jesus is where the heart gets transformed. And the last one is that Jesus takes away our sin as he will take away the presence of sin. See, this will happen when we enter into glory. Whether we pass away of natural causes or whatever it may be, that, that, that if you are a believer and a follower of God and Jesus Christ lives in you, that when you take your last breath here, that you're in the presence of God. Or either when Jesus comes back for you, that he's going to come and bring you into the presence of the Father. That is what that means. And that is the last place that sin will never be able to have any presence in your life. Until that day happens, you will always have sin knocking at the door. It's always close. And it's kind of like riding a motorcycle, Willie. When you think you can ride that motorcycle, when you're fixing to wreck. I can't ride motorcycles, but that's just what they tell me. I got on one one time, and it ended up in the top of a tree. <laughs> and the neighbors got mad at my mom and everybody because this kid let me on that X-75. And he said, hit the gas, pop the clutch. Two seconds later, this motorcycle's seven feet in the air in a tree. But they say if you think you can ride a motorcycle, you're fixing a wreck. That's what they say. And that's the same thing that we have to understand. On this walk, following Jesus, is that we've got to always know that we're just one decision away from falling. But hallelujah that we are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. That we now are not judged by our mistakes. As long as we get back up and put our eyes back on him. So, verse 6, anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understands who he is, or understand who he is. 1 John 3, 6. That's a verse where a lot of people can really get to struggling if you're reading it by yourself. So let me, let me go back. So let's, let's look back at 1 John 1, 8. 1 John 1, 8. You can write that down. What does it say? If we claim we have no sin... We are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So that kind of sounds like it's contradictory to, to what we're hearing in chapter 3 because it says in chapter 1, it says, if you say you have no sin, you're lying. But then in, 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 in chapter 3 here, it says, anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understands who he is. So it's talking about here, John is talking about in verse 3, 6, living in habitual sin. That's a habit of sin. Habitual sin. To make a habit of sinning. Living in habitual sin with no convictions is a flag that we may not know the Father. 
If there is no conviction in your heart when you're doing wrong, then the spirit may be void. I don't know. you got to take that up with the Father. But if you live a life of just living for yourself and hating people around you, and it's all about you and it's not about your neighbor, it goes against the commandments that God gave us. Love him and love others. It's not about work, so stop thinking about all the bad things you've done this past week. It's about how are you loving God and loving the people beside you? Then if we go to Matthew, it says, anybody can love a friend. I'm asking you to love your enemies. I'm like, oh, why'd you get personal? (laughs) Ah. But I want you to hear that as a follower of Jesus, you're still going to fall. But if you are a follower of Jesus... You're not going to live in the fallen. You're not going to be the fallen. You're not going to be the world. It says that we're to live in the world but not of the world. That we're to look like strangers or foreigners. We're ambassadors to the kingdom of heaven. That we have to stand on the truth, on the word of God. That when people challenge us in the the ideologies and the things that are, are, are going on in this world. is we say, well, let me open up the book and let's see what it said. Well, now I want your opinion. I don't have an opinion anymore. I gave my life to him. He took away my opinion. I don't afford to have an opinion. I have to read it out of here. And whatever it says here is truth. Takes all the pressure off of you. It does. Like, I don't know. Just read it. I'm kind of lost too. Let's go together. I want it to be right because that's fun. But I can't do it because it's a sin. Hmm. The presence of the Spirit of God and the hope of our future glory will transform our hearts, which will transform our actions. I'm going to read that again. The presence of the Spirit of God in you and the hope of future glory, the coming back of Jesus Christ to bring you home or your death to go to heaven. Spirit of God in you, the future glory of the knowing of what's coming will transform our hearts inside of you which will transform your actions you can't have actions transformed without heart first being transformed so that's why my friend always said Paul I love you but you got to shepherd the heart you can't shepherd that action if there's someone in your life and they just got they just looking ugly in sin I'm talking about for believers now if a person is not a believer You can't shepherd a heart that has not been bought by the blood of Jesus. You have to pray for that heart. The Spirit of God has to first do a work in that heart. But if that heart has been bought by the blood of Jesus, has been transformed, then you disciple, you teach, you pray for, you're patient, you're kind, you're gentle to restore as the Spirit of God shepherds the heart. And as the heart transforms, holy moly, the actions will start looking different. But it's kind of like losing weight. You start getting on this, this diet plan and you're working your tail off and six months into it, you look at yourself and say, boy, I sure am a mess. I don't even look good in the mirror. And you walk around somebody that hadn't seen you in six months and like, oh, Paul, you done lost seven inches. You know, because you can't see it because it's slowly, it's it's sanctification. It's walking with the Spirit of God. It's understanding you're following Jesus. You don't see that you're not even doing that wretched stuff anymore. But the people who heard you say an adjective that sounded really bad and was four letters aren't hearing them any longer because God has transformed your heart. 
and the convictions of the Spirit will draw it out of you. We can't be the Holy Spirit. Other scripture translates says to abide in Christ, and this will restrain us from living a constant life of sin. Verse 7, dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. Listen to this quote by Charles Spurgeon. If you want to write any one thing down today, man, this is one I, I pasted in this, boom. I love that dragon and paste up. Charles Spurgeon said it well. The grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. Wetting stuff too. The grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. I had to, well, I was like, woo! See, it's not by works, but through surrender and the transformation of our hearts. Verse 8, it says, But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Amen? It says, Wonderful news. That God, Jesus, defeated sin on the cross. Isn't that good news? Isn't it good news to know that you have, you have, you're bulletproof. You're bulletproof. Let me just say it to you like that. We were talking Thursday night. And I said, if you're a believer and you're talking to someone who's an unbeliever. And, and you're saying, man, I want to tell them about Jesus. But I don't know if I should tell them. But I don't want to offend them. Their life looks so much. I'm going to get in an argument. Think of it like this. You're walking around with the cure to cancer in your pocket. And you know that it will save their lives. And you just have a good day. I, oh, yeah, I love you. Yeah, I love you because Jesus said I need to love you. And you walk away and you don't tell them the way to experience that love themselves. It's kind of like never pulling out the cure to cancer and saying, you're going to die. But Jesus said you don't have to. Isn't it hard? I fell at it more times than I get it right. I get, my, as much as I talk, and I'm in a gift in advantage, I'll be at a gas pump, and God's like, talk to that person pumping gas. I'm like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to do it. I've been made up every excuse in the world not to talk to that person. That person don't want to have time for me. Oh, God, please work in my heart and my mind not to let me get so busy. <clears throat> that's pretty, that's on time right there. Every time a bell rings, Angel gets her wings. <sighs> the Son of God come to destroy the works of the devil. That devil might be after you. He might be on your coattails today. But I'm telling you right now, you got to know that your, your Father in heaven, it's kind of like y'all ever been in that place where y'all talked about judging who daddies were and everything. At school, you remember that? Y'all remember that? I had a big dad. He was built like me, but like five inches taller. His shoulders were about this, this wide. He was so strong. I remember he'd come into his room. We'd be in there lifting weights, and I had all the plastic cement weights on the thing. And I'm picking them. Dad walked in there and said, "Hey, you doing? How you doing?" I'm like, "That's my, that's my daddy." Our Father in heaven supersedes anything you could ever think about your Father on earth. Your father in heaven is so big, so strong, so loving, so courage, so, so tender that there's nothing in this world that can come at you that your father in heaven won't stand there and take the fight for you on. 
That devil might be after you right now, but if you run back into the arms of your father, he has got to put on the brakes. And it looks like one of those roadrunner coyote kind of brakes, you know, where he goes off the cliff. He is trying to stop. He was cast out of heaven. Why do you think God can't defeat him now on earth? Why do you have to live letting him just beat you up year in, year out? Your daddy's bigger than him. <laughs> That's good stuff. I know y'all think I'm crazy if it's your first time here. <laughs> our Father sent Jesus to rescue us from sin and death, and this rescue story plays out in our lives here on earth today. Our part is to repent and believe. Our part is to repent and believe. What does that mean? The word repent it means to take your eyes off of the sin, take your eyes off of what's going on, and put your eyes back on the, on the Father. To repent, it just means to turn, just means to turn. And then you just turn away from the sin of the world. You turn away from this world that is trying to entice you and make you think and believe false ideologies are just enough of this, but it's watered down. So that it, Look, if you don't have 100% truth, it's 100% not truth. You can't, you can't take something that's stanky and put lipstick on it and think you're making it right. Repent and believe. Verse 9, let's close this out. Those who love, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. Remind yourselves daily. Remind yourselves daily of who you are. You're a child of God. You had a crown placed on your head. You live, you're adopted into the royal family. And when you start doubting who you are, I want you to say this. I want you to know whose you are. Because even if you don't believe who you are, you've got to understand whose you are. And there is a God that created everything outside of these walls. Every tree, every cloud, the sun, the stars, the dirt, the worms, I don't care. He made it. He made you. And you are his bought by the blood of Christ. It's who you are. So, we can promise our Father in heaven when he opens our eyes to sin in our lives. Excuse me, we can praise. My eyes are crossing from sweat. We can praise our Father in heaven when he opens our eyes to sin in our lives. Furthermore, when we embrace the discipline of Jesus' teachings, it grows us into his image. As a follower of Christ, we have to be walking with other men and women that will love us enough to want to teach us the word of God. It says that go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And it says something very important after that. And it says, teach them to follow my ways. Why do we not ever say that part? Discipleship is the key to understanding the fullness of the life that God has through you through Jesus. In verse 10, so now we can tell who are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Man, what a tough statement. See, this is talking, the context of this message is not talking about how we relate to unbelievers the context of this message is talking about how we relate to each other as believers 
When the church loves each other as God has called us to love each other as brothers and sisters, the lost world that we are chasing so badly and wanting to come to know God, they will see a light so bright that they will be drawn to it. And they'll say, I want to be a part of that. I want to feel that peace and that patience and that gentleness that you have. Where did it come from? Oh, it came from the Father in heaven. Jesus gave it to me when he rescued me. To live in a way that honors our Father in heaven while showing love to your brothers and sisters shows the world who we belong to. And as Christ followers, the best way to honor our Heavenly Father on this Father's Day is to live a life that acknowledges and respects His righteousness. Our Father is righteous. And as His children, we can't live unrighteous lives and just think that everything's in right standing with Him. He didn't, he didn't save us to live like the world. He saved us to save the world. <laughs> and it says this in 1 John 2, 1 and 2. It says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who's truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all of the world. So get this image, the Father on his throne in heaven right now. And there is Jesus right beside him. And he looks over with tears in his eyes when I fall and I sin this coming week. I didn't even know I was going to sin, but I did something. I, I, I lashed out, or I, I didn't tell the full truth, or I just I, I lusted in my eyes or something. And Jesus is weeping and crying with his hands pierced and his feet pierced and his gouging in his side. He still has the scars so that he would remember the price that he paid for me. And he says, Daddy, don't you remember? You had me go and rescue Paul. And my blood's covering him right now, Daddy. He stays in the family, right, Dad? He's advocating for me and he's advocating for you. Right now as we sit here, no matter where your minds may be racing, there is a Father in heaven that is listening to the Son in heaven that is speaking on your behalf. So the best gift we can give our Father in heaven today is to embrace the gift that he has given us when Jesus Christ came for us. Have you embraced the the gift that was given to you? Have you received and asked Jesus Christ into your heart? God gave, he said, I so love the world that I gave my only begotten son, so whoever shall believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Have you embraced that gift that was given to you? Mm. And secondly, to commit ourselves to living a life that honors him. Will you let this truth play out in your life today? All, all, all of that to the side. Will you today make a decision to draw a line? I don't care what you've done before you came to church. I don't really care what you do after you leave the church. I just care that you understand the truth of the scriptures and that, that hopefully that you will make a decision and I will make a decision to draw a line in the sand and say, man, I'm going to put people around me. I'm going to pray. I'm going to surrender. I'm going I'm to live in the word and I'm going to do whatever it takes to live a life that brings the Father in heaven honor and glory. Not because he desires my works, but because he desires to see his glory flow through his creation. Does that make sense? That's good stuff. So will you let the truth play out in your life today?
Just a question. As we worship, maybe you'll decide to let that truth play out in your life today by coming forward and praying with one of our elders. I'm going to ask Pastor um, Elder um, Tyler to come down here, maybe Elder Don to come here. You've got to be singing. You can't, you can't be laying hands. You've got to sing. Tyler ain't singing. Tyler can come down. Maybe there's a lady that, 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 that just feels burdened. Maybe, maybe, Amy, you want to get here. If there's any ladies that want to come down, you want to pray over them. Or Miss Diane. Or maybe y'all need prayer. But boy, when a church comes together and they pray with each other and, they, and they're not ashamed of even having struggles in their lives, but the Spirit of God moves and says, I will work in that. So will you let this truth play out in your life today? It says, know where you're at today. You're, you're one decision from living a life full of hope, peace, and love. One decision away from living a life full of hope, peace, and love. And that comes through Jesus Christ. All you have to do is come. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for the, the life-changing grace that you've poured into us that, that changes our hearts and, and our actions and the way, the eyes that we look through and the mouth that we speak from, Lord. And it's in following you, Jesus, that we are sanctified through the Spirit. Oh, God, we just want to say we love you and we thank you for loving us first. So let your Spirit have your, your way in this place today, in my heart and every heart in this place. That may we have revival today, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.